Ladies and gentlemen, do you want to party? That's right. This is your host, Christian Hanahara. And today we have the beautiful and talented from the Off the Grill podcast. You can find it right here on YouTube. You can find it on Anchor. You can find him on Spotify. You can find him on iTunes. You can find him down the street by your mama's house. Steak sauce. What's up, brother? Hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo. Sauce is glad to have you back, man. When I decided for the 20th episode to cover, I was going to cover my favorite movie. I said, well, I know somebody else whose favorite movie this is. And it's, they need, they, uh, <laughs> but I said they need to come back. They need to come back because I need somebody else. Because Nick is, first of all, Nick, you're always here. Yeah. You're last but not least. Nick, how are you How are you doing in Halloween land over there? Uh, yeah, I know. I need some variation. Uh, man, I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. And and correct me if I'm wrong, you actually prepped for this episode. You've just watched Return of the Living Dead for yeah, fourth it, time, maybe? Or? It, it was... I've seen it a handful of times because I really liked it when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if I should have been watching it as a kid, but uh, I just got done watching it about an hour ago, probably for the first time in like 10 years. Um, But I was reminded of why it's one of my favorite zombie movies. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad I I, it's fresh on my mind. And before we get into the movie, let's just kind of get some pleasantries out of the way. Sauce, dude, how has everything been going on your end? Uh, You know. Same all same, you know. Do a little <laughs> bit of this, a little bit of that. Wow, descriptive! Hell yeah, I like you it. You know, my camera broke. Unfortunately, I don't know what's wrong with it. So you don't That's... get to look at my ugly face, but that actually might be a positive. So I've always, I've been meaning to ask you, Sauce. Did you did you uh, commission that artwork for your podcast? The zombie guy eating the 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 chicken leg. Uh, no, I did that. Really, dude, that's no. bad. I always love. No, I always. I, I didn't. I didn't do it. <laughs> <Son of> a, <laughs> bitch. No, a friend of mine, years probably ten years ago or close to, um, I started writing for a, a like a startup wrestling um, news site, and like for like it'd be like news and columns, and, it, and towards the end of its existence, there were podcasts and shit. But I did a, um, <clears throat> like a rebooking column i guess and i i did commit i commissioned it in so far as i asked someone to do it but i didn't pay for it uh okay. but i that was just that and i you know since repurposed it so i always i always dug that man it looks good on the t on a t-shirt um which you can buy at the off the grill dot store <laughs> <laughs> I love how he just knew exactly where I was going with it. But uh, I am glad to have you here, Sauce. We're going to get rolling to this film. Nick, uh, how has everything been going in Ohio? It's cold as balls, man. It's like It was like 34 degrees this morning. I had ice on my car. It seems like we skip fall and we go right into winter. But yeah, yeah aside from that, it's fine. Uh, you know. We're still we're st- we're still doing all right in Louisiana right now. The weather's actually really good. There is a tiny window of good weather, and we're at the tail end of it. Uh, once the humidity kicks in with this cold weather, it's going to be like it's just going to suck. It's just going to suck, damn it! And so, 
just to throw the old western New York weather out there. It's currently raining. Um, within the hour, that's going to turn to snow. Oh, nice. Um, and then by Saturday into Sunday, we'll be back in the 50s for a week. And then, you know, it drops down to fucking awful 30-degree, miserable, makes me want to just sit in bed and cry weather. So, Well, well hey, I Man, appreciate, that's, I appreciate and, New York uh, last week taking care of the bungles for me. Thanks, man. Oh, man. That, that is the happiest I've been with a Jets win in probably two years. <laughs> I was happy about it, too. Oh, Jesus. Uh, really quick, before we get started, last thing I'll say is, uh, so if you're listening to this on Spotify or if you're watching the YouTube video for this right now, I added this as a tier for my $3 and up patrons. I've been trying to find something special for you guys. Uh, you have the ability, you could be watching it live right now, to watch the live recordings of these podcast episodes. The perks of this is getting to see some ridiculously embarrassing stuff like uh, people bursting into Nick's room and yelling at him in the middle of the show. Yeah. Uh, st- basically that. <laughs> my, yeah, hey, my wife's at work though. So she's off the table. She won't be bursting in, but uh, yeah. If you guys could have seen the, bo- the unedited version of the trick or treat movie oh, podcast, you'd have thought you'd have thought it was, it was like, if it was sauce, if it was like wrestling, it was like the music was hitting mid promo every time Nick talked and somebody <laughs> came to interrupt Nick and the lights would go out. I was, <laughs> I was not in her good graces that night and she was pissed <laughs> off that I was doing a podcast. So she kept coming in like, what the fuck? Come on. And I'm it like, was it was funny. And I was trying to no sell it and just keep talking, but eventually I was like, "God damn, let me just let her finish cutting the promo on him, and then we'll I'll see how much time we have left." <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Uh, really quick too, um, shout out to a, a friend of mine, supporter of the channel named Matt, who sent me for Halloween this amazing Return of the Living Dead shirt nice. from Terror Threads. Uh, they've got some killer designs. Um, I, I love this shirt. I love that it's got Tarman front and center. Uh, great design. Thank you so much. Proud to wear it for this episode. I'm ready to get started. So if you guys know me, you know my favorite movie. Not favorite horror movie, not favorite zombie movie. My favorite movie is Return of the Motherfucking Living Dead. And I usually don't swear like this, but when a movie like this is getting talked about, I need you guys to understand how much I love this movie. I want to talk with each other about the first time seeing this movie and hearing about this movie. And we're going to move kind of throughout the film and some of the uh, peripheral things about Return of the Living Dead. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll never forget when I first started getting into horror. I, I, at the same time, was a retro video game kind of guy. And my brother turned me on to James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. And then I found he had a website called Cinemassacre. And I remember James did reviews of horror movies, but it wasn't like Halloween 3, Halloween 4. The first three movie reviews I ever saw from James back in like 2009 was Fright Night 1985. And I immediately went to FYE after he showed the review for that movie and bought it. Uh, Della Morte Della Moore, also known as The Cemetery Man from 1994, a great movie. And I went out and bought that. And then he did Return of the Living Dead. And I'll never forget when I first heard the title, I was thinking, uh, that, I don't know. That sounds like a cheap spinoff kind of thing. I'm sure it's, you know, I don't know. It, it, the title is so um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? When you hear the title Return of the Living Dead, it doesn't just shoot out to you as this movie is going to be amazing. It's almost like un I can't think of the word I'm looking looking for in my head. It's just well, it almost it, that's yeah, that's a fair one. It's it's almost un it's almost like a little unbecoming, unimpressive. It's just like Return of the Living Dead. Okay, so it's a of the Living Dead spin-off. Yeah, kind of it movie. seems very contrived. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, yeah. And so when I watched the review of the movie, James Rolfe is like this movie has no business being is this good. I mean, this movie is energetic. This movie has such well-developed characters. It's the most punk rock movie ever and yeah. ever. And we're going to talk about that. And so I immediately go to FYE and I bought the MGM DVD release of the, it's got the original poster art on it. And I watched the movie before I pretty much watched the night of living dead remake or, Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead. I watched Return first and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is amazing. So I've loved this film from day one, but it would be years before I started falling in love with everything about Return of the Living Dead. And we'll get into that more. Um, Sauce, we'll take it over to you real quick, man. What does day one of Return of the Living Dead look like with you? Well, to talk about this, unfortunately, I have to talk about the sequel first. Um, because growing up, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, whatever. Um, the sequel was always on sci-fi. Like very often you'd catch a weekend block of that in the third one. So I always just thought, oh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 as a joke. Because, you know, especially once you see the movie, it's there's it's clearly more comedic than it is horrific. So, okay, it's like one of those, it's like the Saturday the 14th, you know, it's, or I know what you did last Friday the 13th. You know, one of those like spoof movies. Okay, whatever. I'll go with it. Did not know that there was an actual Return of the Living Dead until I was 15, I think. 14 or 15. Um, happened to just catch it on like the movie channel. Um, fell in love immediately. Like, like it, it, just, it completely just stole my heart. You know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so crazy because, like, had I not, like, by happenstance caught that, I would never have seen that movie, I don't think. I mean, maybe eventually, but, you know. Like, I had such an hour to the Living Dead Part 2. Okay, whatever. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. fine. But, and to think that those movies are so dissimilar in tone. Yeah. You know. Mm. It's shocking too. Like, because you go in, okay, whatever, maybe it'll be all right. <laughs> Fucking knock me on my ass. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine, especially seeing part two before part one. You know. Nick, you want to take us to day one, Return of Living Dead? Um, if I remember correctly, I've I've shouted him out a million times. Again, it's it's my buddy Tommy who's responsible for a lot of these movies that I, in, in genres, subgenres that I got into. And he's a George A. Romero guy. Zombies are his thing, always have been. And um, so I got a lot of zombie movies kind of pushed on to me growing up from him where, you know, some of the good ones, some of the really bad ones. But um, I saw Dawn of the Dead, uh, the remake. O4's Dawn of the Dead was like the first zombie movie I probably ever saw and I loved it. 
And uh, he had all of these of the dead movies. And, uh, you know, Day of the Dead, we watched that. Um, and then he was like, you know, Return of the Living Dead. And I, same as you, I immediately thought, like, is this one of those, like, it's not a sequel, but it's like, you know, not a living dead, return of the dead, every living dead, yeah. blah, 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 blah. So I, I thought that and he's like, no, you don't have to have seen anything before this. Right. Um, and I remember watching it like for the first time, I was probably, probably like 10, 10 or 11. It scared the crap out of me. Like, I'm not even going to lie. And like the thing that stood out to me was like, I always knew zombies as like, brains like they wanted to eat brains and you never saw that you always saw zombies just biting people and eating their flesh and you absolutely get some brains eaten in this oh, movie yeah. and it really kind of takes you back because if you haven't seen a lot of zombie movies like that which i had not at the time i'm, I'm just like this is disgusting um and there's stuff i want to get into you know as we go throughout the movie um, but yes, that is like the first thing that stands out to me when I remember this, the first like bite into a head and you're like, oh shit, they're like going for it. Like, yeah, it was, but yeah, I remember really liking it, but it did, it did scare me. It definitely scared me. And there's a few moments we'll talk about later on that are the reasons why I was scared of this movie. But, uh, yeah, it was really fun to revisit it tonight. Really, really fun. My son, I sent Christian a video. Um, do not, no one tell his mother. She doesn't watch the podcast so she'll never know um he was watching it <laughs> this two almost two-year-old standing there at the tv i sent christian a video he's standing there drinking his juice just watching drinking his juice yeah so hey he he approved i approved you know it was fun let me um let me kind of set this set the table for a little bit of history with this film uh, here's the concept on return of the living dead and uh this is kind of setting the tone for what was going on at the time and how this movie came to fruition. Obviously living dead was sparked uh, mainstream with night of the living dead from George Romero and crew. Um, the film's roots is from a novel by John Russo uh, called return of the living dead. When uh, Russo and George Romero parted ways after night of the living dead in 1968, Russo retained the rights to any title featuring living dead, while Romero was free to create his own series or sequels, beginning with Dawn of the Dead, Russo and producer Tom Fox planned to bring Return of Living Dead to the screen and be directed by Toby Hooper. Um, st there are still moments where I, I envision what this film could have been like with Toby. Not that I would change history by any means, but it is important to note that Toby uh, wanted to do the film and eventually had to say no because Canon had other plans for him and he was filming, I believe it was Life Force, which is an absolutely bad shit movie. If you haven't seen Life Force, it's probably one of the greatest canon films ever made. <clears throat> uh, so Dan was brought, Dan O'Bannon was brought in to give the script a polish uh, after Hooper backed out to make Life Force. And he was offered the director's seat. Uh, this was his first uh, big film he directed, Dan O'Bannon. He accepted the role in the condition that he could rewrite the film radically as to a different to differentiate it from Romero's films, because I believe Russo's uh, I have the novel. Somebody gifted me the novel, but the novel is for more or less, you know, a sequel ish to the original movie. Uh, this film was the first production design credit for William Stout, who was a legend in the business. And this movie just shows that the guy knew how to produce a film. 
who would go on to produce movies like Conan the Barbarian, among other big franchise films. The appearances of zombies and this film was inspired by the mummies of of Guanajuato, Mexico, and the bog people of Wales, as well as artwork from EC Comics. The stories featured 245 trioxin chemical developed by the Darrow Chemical Company for the military was a play on the real-life Dow Chemical Company and its involvements in the 1960s with the manufacturing of Agent Orange, scientifically known by the name 245T dioxin and used in the U.S. military's Operation Ranch Hand and Canada's CFB Gagetown Canadian Forces bases in rural New Brunswick during the Vietnam War as a powerful defoliant which a defoliant is some kind of uh, herbicidal chemical spray that's put on plants and stuff that I'm sure there's a lot of people that probably freak out when they know that their food gets sprayed with chemicals. Uh, Return of the Living Dead makes a lighter purpose up for his chemical usage with characters Frank suggesting that it was being sprayed on cannabis crops in the 1960s. So very interesting to know that George and John Russo parted ways and there was a legend that the guys, it was very it was a not a good splitting, uh, but Russo is very adamant, and Romero, I'm sure, has talked about it maybe before, but I'm not sure. But Russo was very adamant that it was a peaceful parting of the ways. Russo has always stated that him and George were always fine, uh, and George wanted Russo to make his living dead, and, and, and Russo always wanted George to go do his thing. But it was always a big thing that the guys hated each other, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, if it makes a good story, that's why it gets rumored like that. So, yeah, I'm uh, positive. I've, I've seen or heard interviews with Romero saying that, yeah, it's silly. Yeah. You know, it, it was more or less they split up and they kind of ahead of the curve took care of the legal stuff, you know, so that they right. wouldn't have to deal with it post <laughs> you know, production yeah. or whatever. So uh, with Return of the Living Dead, it's interesting to note uh, that Dan O'Bannon, and I, I wonder, it, I, I think it does say a lot to Russo uh, as just, you know, as a be a humble guy to, to have, you know, Russo wanted to direct this film. Uh, I think Russo initially, they didn't really talk about it much on Wikipedia, but from a lot of the documentaries I've watched, Russo was going to kind of step in to direct when... I think Hooper kind of bailed out of the project and, but Fox, Tom Fox really championed O'Bannon when he came into the fold to look at stuff. And I think O'Bannon just absolutely hated what Russo's screenplay looked like, which I feel bad for Russo because he's such a lovable guy, especially when you see John in the documentaries. But I mean, it says a lot for Russo to come in and just, you know, say, screw it. This guy's got a good pitch and you guys believe in it. What the hell? It was the right call, but yeah. when we talk about Return of the Living Dead being punk rock, from day one, what is more punk rock than, you know, Dan O'Bannon coming in and saying, this sucks, I'm doing yeah. this shit my way. You know what I mean? And I mean, not for nothing. I mean, you, you said someone gifted you that novel. Have you read it? Not yet. No, I haven't read huh. it. Huh. Is it shitty? They, it had has potential, I suppose. Um if they had made that movie or anything close to it, we, we wouldn't be sitting here talking mm. about it. Wow. <clears throat> That's interesting. It, it, a lot of it dealt with 
like a town uh, survival of the dead is similar um story-wise which you know that's not a great movie but it, it dealt with them kind of coming to terms with well we're just going to live with these things and figure out what to do with them you know um <clears throat> i didn't read the whole it just it was kind of a bad novel i didn't finish it but i'll be down um, yeah yeah so like when i and i'd never heard heard the talk of Russo stepping in the direct. So when I, I hear things like that, I'm like, oh, God, we dodged a bullet. Yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, based on what Russo says, it could have been maybe a little bit more in his own mind than what the actual producers and stuff wanted. But on the Scream Factory Blu-ray, which is probably one of the best releases Scream Factory ever did, they packed that yes. that movie. Uh, they packed it to the gills. And everybody complains that Friday the 13th doesn't have Crystal Lake memories and Everybody's saying when they do Nightmare Box set, it better have Never Sleep Again. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? When they put out Return of Living Dead from Scream Factory, they put more brains, the documentary, in the release. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, but how about this? I'm about to list off the cast of this movie, and I want Nick, I want Sauce, if you guys can, to tell me your favorite cast member or character from the film. So this is the cast as follows listed. Clue Gulliger as Bert, James Karen as Frank, Don Kalfa as Ernie Kaltenbrenner, Tom Matthews as Freddie, got Beverly Randolph as Tina, Miguel A. Nunez as Spider, John Philbin as Chuck, Jewel Shepard as Casey, Brian Peck, Linnea Quigley as Trash, Mark Venturini, rest in peace to the great Mark Venturini as Suicide. And Jonathan Terry is Colonel Glover. I'm going to start. Without question, my favorite character in this movie, without question, is Don Kalfa as Ernie. Mm. I love Don Kalfa in this movie. The, okay. the, the mortician. I love his timing. I love his reactions. He is money in this movie. Nick. Favorite character from Return of Living Dead and why? Um, I, for me, I think it's Bert. Uh, and and I, I really, I actually really love like all of his scenes with Ernie. I, I think that they mesh really well on screen together and bounce off each other really nicely. Um, and I like Frank too, but I think Bert just because I feel like he commanded a scene when he was on screen. You know, like I feel like. He always seemed like he was kind of in control of what he was doing. And from the first moment you see him, like when they're talking about the fucking reanimated corpse that's in the, in the freezer, he, and he's just like losing his shit over it while also trying to figure out, okay, what the hell am I going to do about this? And pacing back and forth and just talking a mile a minute. Like your introduction to him, you're just like, oh, this dude, this dude can act, man. I like this guy. And I just feel like he controlled, you just commanded a sense of respect almost. And, and, and I don't know in every scene he was in. So I would probably say Bert, not to mention really quick before you get to sauce. He has the classic grandpa laugh. You remember the part where he goes, he's getting ready to go home for his 4th of July party. He's having the next day. And he goes, all right, boys, just remember whatever you do, don't name it after me. <laughs> he's got that grandpa laugh as he walks away. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, Sauce, take it away, man. Favorite uh, character from Turtle Living Dead and why? Actually, a little annoyed because I was hoping I'd get to give him the, the final spotlight, but I got to go with Bert. I mean, Kluge Luger's 
incredible in anything I've ever seen him in. Um, and, and to talk about his acting, I mean, he's the only cat that wasn't on the set to rehearse um, like the rest of the cast was. You know, he, he was kind of a, a last-minute casting. Um, I think they had uh, designs of getting Leslie Nielsen in, into that role, which I think would have hurt the movie, frankly. Um, you know, nothing against Leslie Nielsen, but, you know, I mean, Clue Gulliger was perfect for Bert. Um, anything, anything different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything less, but anything different would have totally screwed things up. But you can't tell that he wasn't there for all like the, the staging in the, in the rehearsals. You know, yeah. he looks like, like yeah. he's been a part, like, you know, and it, it's a lot of the movie, not to get too far off topic, but it feels real. Like it's, there's people talking over people and it's not just, you say a line and I'll say a line. And, uh, he was able just to kind of walk right into that, and, you know, like seamlessly. It's, it's fantastic. Hmm. Do you have any standout lines from Clue in the movie? <sighs> you moron, you idiot. Haven't I told you not even to go near those goddamn tanks? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nick? Any favorite lines? Uh, I was going to say the same thing. I, I, my, I laugh my, my ass off when he says that. <laughs> I, I love that whatever you guys do, don't aim it after me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so it's an ensemble cast. Uh, I, I think when you look at a movie like Return of the Living Dead, the the individuality of everybody in this film is just remarkable. Everybody has moments and lines that give them life in this film. It's, it's truly, it's truly like there's probably only a handful of films that, in my opinion, that can do it that well. And that's what you get when you have a talented writer. I mean, Nick, do you realize that Dan O'Bannon wrote alien? This is the writer of alien. So, I mean, I did not know that the talent from Dan O'Bannon is Dan. Dan is a legend. Dan worked with John Carpenter before John was famous on a uh, science fiction movie. They worked together for a, on, on a college project. And uh, there was a little science fiction movie that they did that got critical praise. And uh, Dan has always been a talented guy. He's very eccentric from what we uh, learned about in a lot of these documentaries. Uh, Sauce, do you want to do you want to share the story about Beverly Randolph meeting Dan O'Bannon for the first time? <laughs> so apparently he was or he called her over to discuss lines. I don't remember the the pretext as to why she went over to his house, but she walks in and he's nowhere to be found. You know, she's standing in like the living room kitchen area, and on the television is just porn. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think she you know she's. A polite lady, so I don't think she really went into detail at all as to what kind. But I figure, you know, just mid eighties kind of, you know, sideburns on the dick still kind of thing. But um, <laughs> it, and also there were, I believe she said several guns just laying on the table. This is an array of weaponry. <laughs> yeah, she, she just she just went. Well, I'll I'll see him tomorrow somewhere. I'm gonna just peace out here. And she ran out. She, she said she ran out of the house. Yeah. And and apparently they re-met up or something, but I mean, it's funny when you look at the character of, of uh, Tina and Beverly in the movie, there's not much acting going on because Tina's a very, you know, she's like a flower child girl. Oh, not a flower child girl. She's just like a, like a nice, prim and proper girl It doesn't girl seem in the like movie. she belongs. Like, she seems like, you know, she's only there because she's dating Freddie. You know, she's, yeah. she, she found herself the bad guy and... 
Yeah, has but, to kind of slum it, so to speak. But Freddie still seems like the bad guy that is the teddy bear on the inside kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe she brought up the teddy bear and Freddie. You know, when it comes to Tom Matthews as well, I mean, we could talk about Tom for a second. I mean, he, him and James Karen work off of, they are two, they are, it's like the duo you never thought would work so well. But when you look at the opening scene of the film, when, when Freddie is getting his, working at the Unita Medical Supply, and the scene where he takes, Frank takes him into the office and Frank starts the talking about the dead bodies and the corpses. And have you ever seen that movie night of the living dead? I mean, that scene, you every line you're hung on Frank so much. He's James Karen, who actually just passed away a few years ago. He lived to be an old man. God bless him. I mean, so riveting. I love and one of my favorite moments. Of course, is when, James gets a gets a call by the wife and he's like, kiss, kiss, honey. Keep the pot. Yeah. Keep, keep the, the pot. pot roast <laughs> Which I wonder if that was in the script, like the kiss, kiss. I feel like that's just James Karen. Yeah. But also Dan's a great writer. Maybe he wrote it, but I don't know. I just feel, you know, those moments are so funny. Um. I don't know. I, I just love I love everything about this movie, but I, I never want the opening first few sequences to end. I just think they are brilliantly written, so entertaining. And it's just so mundane also. Yeah. It's just, all right, I'm going to take you. There's the skeletons. You, you dumped this shit in the thing here. But you know, no, like you said, yeah. Half just, dogs. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. skeletons come from India. <laughs> <laughs> and then as he's teaching him, he goes, this is a, we needed an F skeleton PT. So that's F for what? Female, female. Very good. He's talking to yeah. Frank. He's talking to Freddie. Like he's just like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you think that means pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. perfect teeth. Great line. So those two are, are absolutely amazing. Uh, pretty before too long, we get Frank and we get, we'll go through the movie a little bit. We'll get Frank and, um, Freddie down in the uh the, the cellar floor of the unita and this is where we see for the first time nick the trioxin barrel with the zombie and this is basically right before the title sequence kicks in and you know he's explained to freddie that the government made basically bio zombies to basically fight wars more or less and it was a failed experiment and Somehow or another, the army slipped up and sent those bodies to the Unita Medical Supply. <laughs> they just and 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 Bert just decided to keep the keep the zombies in the on the basement instead of returning them. Yeah. God knows why. I guess Bert, being the man he was, was like, "Hey, we may be able to flip these later on." I don't know. I feel like it was kind of implied that that warehouse isn't quite on the up and up. So even <laughs> even just for the army to come get it, he's like, ah, I don't want them seeing this shit. Oh, one thing I want to talk about real quick is right. What's really cool. The effects of this movie were modest. There is a wild history with what happened behind the scenes getting. Uh, I think the, I think sauce. So you should know better, better than me or is at least as good as me. I think the guy's name was uh, William or Bill Munns. Bill Munn, M-U-N-N. Yeah. Bill Munn. So they hired a guy to do this special effects for this movie, Nick. And 
I have this fantastic book. Again, the book is even better than the documentary. It's called uh, The Complete History of Eternal Living Dead. It's a great book, and they talk all about how shitty basically Bill Munns was. But but it was also it was a modest film. Wikipedia has it listed at a four million dollar budget. Uh, I don't know where all that budget went. Uh, the movie certainly looks like a nice, nicely made film, but. They hired this guy to make zombie makeup effects. They hired this guy to, to make skeletons coming out from the ground. And there are images of what Bill Munch did for this movie where he took basically, I don't know, sauce blankets and spray painted them yellow and threw some dirt on them and cut eye holes out of it and called yeah. it a zombie mask. <laughs> it was, well, I mean, the, the big thing was with, with the yellow the cadaver zombie. Like, he built the body up over the the stunt guy's head so like the shoulders started at like the top of the guy's actual head and <laughs> there were like eye holes you know so he could see through the body like it's horrendous looking like if if you guys have a chance to just like i have the book yeah i have the book i i was i'm looking really quick on google right now but i can't find it but i'll have to share an image of it maybe in post it's it's awful it is just completely awful long story short though um he wasn't cutting it so midway through the film they fired him and they brought in tony gardner to do some special effects they brought in kenny myers who is super talented and kenny worked on part two and you can say what you want about part two i know it's not everybody's cup of tea but to deny the effects and the zombie makeup isn't fantastic on that film is bullshit the only thing like he did it. He did as good a job as he could. Um, Bill Stout said, "If you use any of my designs, I will sue the pants off you." Yes. Um, so they had to change everything. That's why Tarman looks like garbage. He looks like a, uh, to steal a term, a, a dime store mummy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the way he walks and everything, and I think that is Troutman. But the the design was different enough that he couldn't do the same stuff that he. Because Troutman is fantastic, and this one is Tarman. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, just to clarify, it is William Munns. It's M-U-N-N-S. So Munns, okay. I was wrong. Yeah, he, uh, and he's got interviews online. You can find him. He's not really a mean guy. He's like, I kind of feel bad for him because... Yeah. Well, he just He's like, he's a droopy kind of. Just, oh, I tried. <laughs> yeah. I, I did my best. <laughs> well, he, 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 he got fired. And there's a really funny story, Nick, to give you a little bit of... This is the kind of personality Dan O'Bannon had. He was eccentric, loud, brash. He would be very mean. I mean, this was during the time where directors like William Friedkin were shooting guns on the set of The Exorcist yeah. to sneak a reaction to use in the film because people weren't given the reactions he wanted. You could never do that kind of stuff. <laughs> when Kenny Myers... When Kenny Myers talked about taking the place, he interviewed to be on the movie and to finish doing the effects after William Munns got fired. Kenny Myers tells the story of walking in to the set, meeting Dan O'Bannon, and Dan says, this is what I need done in my movie. Uh, I need this, this, and this. And Kenny says, I looked over the run sheet that he had. I looked at, I looked at, um, I looked at the, the run sheet and I looked back at Dan and I said, sure, no problem. And he says, Dan goes, don't say no problem. The last guy said that. (laughs) And and Kenny said, I instantly shit my pants and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? And then he goes, then I basically said, okay, 
when do we start or something? And then we did the movie. <laughs> but I just pictured Dan O'Bannon losing his shit every five seconds. <laughs> I, I guess we could bring this up now. <laughs> Nick, I'm sure you're just learning about all this stuff on this I am, episode. I am. Sauce, can you tell Nick, me, and the audience the relationship between one Dan O'Bannon, Dan O'Bannon, and one Clue Gulliger? Well, they definitely didn't hit it off. Um, I mean, that was uh, that's to say the least. They uh, O'Bannon had a certain style. I think this was his first, you know, uh, picture as a director. Yes. Um, <clears throat> And Clue, of course, goes back way back to like the you know those B movie western, you know, half hour features where each each guy in that era has like seventy or eighty movies he was in, um, you know. So he's been doing things a certain way for a very long time. He's kind of set in his ways, you know. Um, and he's a brash cat. If you ever hear any interviews with him, not that he's a prick or anything, but you know. So they just like from the get go butted heads, and at one point. Uh, there's a scene later in the movie where the character Bert has like a lead pipe. Um, and now for him to bash, they also had a, like a rubber version, but you know, for, for looks, of course, when he's walking around, he's carrying the real one. Really? So after they, they cut Dan says to one of the prop guys or something, you gotta get that goddamn pipe. wiper. he's going to fucking bash my brains in with it. Yeah. <laughs> they- you know, like, they hated each other. Clue would fire back at Dan because Clue had been in Hollywood a long time. And Clue was like, you don't talk to actors this way, you son of a yeah. bitch. I believe there was one moment in the film where, not in the film, there's one moment during the filmmaking where Clue got extremely pissed off at the way Dan was talking to the actors and Dan walked out of a door and Clue grabbed a can and hummed the can at the door and the yeah. can hit the door as soon as... Dan had just shut the door and apparently you just hear this massive boom. <laughs> and yeah, they were, they did not get along at all. But when no. you watch the more brains, I, I can't tell if, if, if clue is just be trolling, but he was like, we never fought. None of this happened. Everybody's <laughs> full of shit. But everybody's talking about them brawling, fighting, cussing matches in each other's faces. Look, I'm not trying to say Dan O'Bannon is God's gift to mankind, but look, when you get super talented people, and I think Dan O'Bannon is certainly a super talented guy, a lot of these guys, they don't have that left brain, right brain thing properly where, you know, the average person, there's cognition on one side of the brain and social, social, you know, uh, normalcies that people have, how to talk, how to act, how to respect each other. And then there's the other side of the brain, creativity. Well, you have some people that have way more water in their creativity cup and not so much water in their in their cognition cup. And I think Dan was one of those guys where he was so creative. He was so driven and and so because there's another there's some movies I can tell you about called The Resurrected that are he directed such great movies. But I think Dan didn't have that cognition part of his brain. It was there was not an equilibrium. So I do think that. You know, he just he didn't really know how to talk with people, how to treat people. He wasn't I don't think he was purposely a dick. He was just so brilliant that some of these guys, I mean, they just don't know how to talk to people. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a similar thing. It's just it's like just think of it, though, as like both my cups are empty. <laughs> no creativity. And you don't know. Yeah. You don't know how to talk to people. <clears throat> I'm not saying that's accurate. right? That sounds pretty equal to me. <laughs> 
Oh, God. So let's keep going a little bit. One thing I want to talk about, Nick. So, Nick, do you remember in the film uh, the famous line, don't you worry that these tanks could break? Nah, this is the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Bam. Yep. The, the tank seal breaks. No, do you remember that great oh, shot? Fuck! <laughs> do you remember the great shot of seeing the zombie behind the glass and all of a Not sudden like, that? Yeah. The great way that they did that, you saw that it looked like the flesh was melting off. Yep. That was done with the hair dryer. Yeah, on, fa- it was a, on it was. Go ahead, Sauce. Go it ahead. was a, a wax kind of mock-up of a, the, the zombie face, and they they melted it off and then like played it in reverse. I believe, yes. right? Is that, yes. is that how that went? Or no, it couldn't have been because they melted it. No, no, from, they they yeah. played it and they they sped up the tape basically. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and the fact that the, the top of the barrel cracks was just a happy accident. The glass got too hot. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now can you talk about a brilliant effect and you know. That was an accident that the glass cracked and stuff like that, but it was kept yeah. in the film and it worked. And you know, a very similar effect was done. Uh, Nightmare Two at the end of Freddy, um, more or less the same effect. The same. Yes. Thing when his face melts off. That's it. People used to be gr- so goddamn creative, man. Like, yeah. Now it's just like, hey, can you like, you know, type get on in your a computer? Bunch of, can yeah. you type in a bunch of code to make this thing? And just then, a just a brilliant time, man. I mean, this was this was the mid '80s. This was there was nothing but practical effects, and the 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 legends that worked on these films. Tony Gardner was a young kid. Tony Gardner would go on to design. Uh, he he took over doing. Excuse me, he took over doing Chucky after a, a number of the films. Tony Gardner is an amazing special effects artist. Now, Nick, on this film, he did probably the best effect in the movie, the half corpse. That sits on the table, dude. That thing scared the shit out of me. I mean, and even just really watching it today was like I'm sitting there like this is a definitely uncomfortable because it's just like, especially when it's like just freaking the hell out near the end of the movie, and it's just like brains, brains, brains. I'm like, dude, what? And the fucking spines acting like a tail, and I'm just like, what is happening? It it's unsettling. It's very well done. Yeah, before we get to that part of the movie, let's talk a little bit about... So after this is where we start to meet the cast of the film. And one thing I want to say about this movie that I think it does so incredibly well is... Some of my favorite movies have great music from the motion pictures, what I would call it. Where they basically use songs from bands to put in the movies. And for instance, Nightmare 4 has a killer music from the Ugh. motion picture soundtrack. But here's the thing. A movie like Nightmare 4 has a has an original soundtrack that is for the movie, and then they kind of have songs placed in the movie. Some songs work really well to aid the scenes, but I don't think anything... Like, what Return of the Living Dead did so well is have the great Francis Haynes score, where you hear the trioxin theme right after the barrel breaks, and then throughout the movie, you hear songs from bands, and this movie uses those songs like an original score so well. Like those songs, the rock songs, the punk songs are the blanket for the scene. They set the tone for the scene the way an original score from a comp- composer would do. I, I never seen a movie do it so well. I mean, Nick, I'm sure you noticed is this, this, this movie is laced with real not no Green Day, not no Blink-182. I'm talking real, real punk yeah, yeah. rock. 
Oh, yeah. You it's know. prevalent throughout. Yeah. And, and such a great score. We'll talk about the score a little bit, but uh, let's get to the graveyard scene, which is obviously a, another just stellar part of the film. Nick, take us off. Do you have any standout moments from <laughs> the graveyard scene? Oh, man. They all look really sweaty. Yeah, that's what stands out to me. Um, they're all kind of doing their own thing, you know, trying to have fun um, with sticks and and things. Um, don't really know what everybody's doing. They're all kind of doing their own thing. And then, uh, you know, uh, Miss Quigley. Um, trash. She's got, yeah, trash, trash. She's got a, she's got a standout moment there. Um I, at first, you know, you're watching it and you're like, obviously you're supposed to get a vibe from this character that she's a little wild. She's, she's different. Um, and she's like talking about, you know, the worst way to die and like old men surrounding her while she's like <laughs> groping herself. And I'm like, what is about to happen? Talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> I know. And yeah. Right. But then, you know, she's just like, let's get naked. And I, yeah! I, wasn't, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't mad. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's a standout for sure. She was rocking those leg warmers, dude. Oh I tell God. you, she was. They were the last thing to come off. I don't even know if they came off. They, they didn't come, come off. off. They didn't no, come no. off. Yeah, she took. I'm I'm like, she's taking everything off, but the damn leg warmers. Like, all right, but yeah, the thing that stands out to me is I think in 2021 you could not have that much extended nudity. I, I really don't think you could in a mainstream motion picture because she's naked like the whole movie. Yeah, and, not and, not in that light, certainly. Yeah, you know. and you see quite a bit. So I was just, you know, it's obviously the '80s were different, but yeah, it was uh, it was different, man. It was it took some risks. And do, the, probably my favorite song from the soundtrack is from uh, SSQ. It's called yeah. uh, Tonight. Tonight. Uh, now that's the great song that plays while Trish is while Trash is dancing uh, on the cemetery, the big plot. And um, funny, funny thing is SSQ. Uh, the singer was named Stacy Q, and the band uh, she was helping produce that band's record, band, that band's record at the time, and they brought her in because she was a great singer. She eventually went solo, but still kept her band and. She she then became Stacy Q and had some pretty pretty uh good hits in the eighties. So just a funny little tidbit there. Well, addendum to your tidbit, um, <laughs> DJ Tanner actually gets in trouble for skipping school to go meet Stacy Q in an episode of Full House, mm. um, and gets found out because Michelle notices her and you know walks right over to her while she's trying to hide from Joey. Uh, I'll leave. It's okay. <laughs> i don't remember that i don't remember that episode now i have to go see it and to everybody watching christian totally set me up um to talk about leo quigley there he totally was like you you can be the one to to fawn over that scene like hey, yeah, we're, we're grown, look we're grown ass men we i love know i'm just kidding we're, we love beautiful women i tell you this man uh i'm not gonna objectify linnea quigley too much but i will say to me, this is the best she ever, mm. ever looked Hands in a movie. Down. I mean, I, I think she's awesome in uh, Night of the Demons, but to me still, there's just no comparison. She was sculpted by 
god in this movie and he broke that mold and dude yeah. she was a goddess in this movie i just yeah. love linnea in this movie sauce awesome. i i i know we can't see your cameras so hopefully your hands are uh you know above the, <laughs> the desk i won't tell <laughs> as long I mean, as we don't hear it <laughs> my, my, yeah it's the thing is too it's i don't want it to sound weird but like to what you're saying is how many you know when you see thousands of horror movies you've seen a lot of nudity and a lot of it's just like whatever it's a horror movie you know yeah it's nice sure this is different you know like she looks awesome you're just kind of like you have to be like hey dude give it up like that's i don't know how you look like that but that's that's quite impressive like and sauce let's let's bring you in sauce for some uh other facts we could share to nick and the audience uh Nick, did you know that Linnea Quigley did have uh, latex prosthetics on her in her scene when she was dancing naked on the tombstone? Okay, this is so... <laughs> I I was wondering that. I was yeah. wondering that. Uh, because I felt like at times you could kind of notice almost like... I don't Where's know. Where's her vagina? Had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you could notice because it's so like brightly lit. You're just kind of like you can see everything. And it's like at times it's like, what is that weird like crease or like wrinkle there? You know what I mean? You're kind of like, that's weird looking. So I was going to ask that. But yeah, let I, me let me set rule, the, though. Right. You, well, let me you let me set this up for you. And I'll let sauce finish the story. When she was doing the scene, it was written that she was naked. This was the 80s. They start shooting the scene. Dan O'Bannon says, Jesus Christ, somebody shaved this woman. <laughs> so they, I say they shaved her. Linnea probably did her thing, came out, and then Dan starts filming and says, Jesus Christ, you can see everything now. Yeah. <laughs> Sauce, take it away. So yeah, from there, then they went, "Hey, sweetheart, we know we, you know, we, we shaved you down and, and embarrassed you twice already. Um, we're gonna do a third because now we need to make a mold of your vagina, um, basically like a like a pre fleshlight kind of thing, but very similar in concept. So that that would kind of go over everything, um, you know, what they what they they call on the set anyway, uh, a Barbie doll piece. So yeah, that's that's why it looks." You know, a smooth, very smooth for the for eighty five, <laughs> but also very uncanny valley. Like, well, that's not. I've seen one of those before, and that's. Not... <laughs> and look, anybody that's watched that movie, and if you even dare comment, like, "Hey, I never really noticed that before," you're full of shit. <laughs> I watched it for the first time today in almost like ten years, probably, and I noticed it like within five seconds. Well, so let me let me see let let me see how hard you were noticing Linnea in this film. What were they holding in their hands, dancing around her? No clue. <laughs> they were holding sticks with fire. There's sticks the that they lit on fire. I, I was going to say sticks, but I didn't want to be wrong. And I also just wanted to, you know, drive the point home that I wasn't paying attention yeah. to really anything else. Yeah, it was. Yeah. There were there were road flares. Um, and oh all, yeah, because he did and, mention that he had yeah, road flares. Yeah, and, and good old Brian Peck um, talks in uh, more brains how the shit kind of went melted onto him and burnt his hand. Um, I think he says he still has a scar from that. Well, oh, you know, since you mentioned that, can you? All right, so let's 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 get to the part now where Brian Peck is a piece of shit. 
I, I really want to be let in on this. Are we ready for that? Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to, I want to save that for just a little bit longer because okay. it's it's going to take a few minutes because we have to talk about Nickelodeon with this. Like it, <laughs> it's deep, and I'll talk about it because I think the people need to know about it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about a few other standout scenes really quick. Um, here's a small moment in the film, but I just love it to death. So. <clears throat> The outbreak hat. Oh, first off, we got to talk about Ernie Kaltenbrenner's scene where the guys show up and the famous, the famous line. What do you, what do you have in the bags? Evan Weasel. Evan Weasels. The delivery on Clue's part was he pauses, thinks it over, and delivers with all bit of gusto. Rabid weasels, <laughs> and then and then Kalfa, being the man, he's like he's like, let me just shoot them, put them out of their misery. <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. It's so funny too because it's like, what did did you really? How did you think that was gonna go? Because you're you, at every turn, you're like, well, you see, I can't do that. We can't do that. You you just just trust me. Like, and he's like. Well, you know, wait, why, why burn them? Why let them, you know, why make them suffer? You can't let a living, you know, creature suffer like that. I'm take them outside and shoot them. I'm like, it's, it's really funny how it plays out, but it's also like the whole time as the viewer, you're just kind of like, I mean, you he's, might as well just got, be honest. Yeah. Like and, and we got to talk about, I don't know what, if this is like the funniest thing in the world to me, or if this is literally how morticians are, we see, we see, after the shit's hit the fan, they've got the, 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 the cadaver, the head's cut off. They chopped it into bit, it's bits and pieces. The, the, oh, the famous, you mean the movie lied? <laughs> when they cut, you know, I just think that's brilliant. That's so brilliant on Dan's part to meta Night of the Living Dead into this the way it did. I don't know that I'd seen a movie do it like that before or since, quite frankly. I'm sure there are some that, that have tried, but. Not to that perfect balance that this movie did, but we see Bert get up on his ladder, look out out the window and says, sometimes old Ernie works late on Friday nights. We cut to Ernie cutting into a dead fat man listening to opera music. Yes. I don't like there's something very weird about that maybe maybe all morticians listen to opera i i, I don't know i mean anybody that listens to opera in general to me is just bizarre <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's well, it's very on the nose i think it's supposed to almost be like this guy like your initial reaction is oh, he's a mortician working late cutting people open opera weird right he's a weirdo so i think it's on the nose like that on purpose but yeah it's well it's, it's, it's even very, it's more it's on the nose in a different way i guess it's not on the nose it's yeah it's it's subtext but that's a german composer i want to say wagner but i don't know i don't remember um but if, okay. if you also remember when he pulls the gun on bert that's a yes yeah so it's all these like little german things ernst Kaltenbrunner was a nazi mm -hmm. officer uh, high high ranking too, a high ranking, yeah. So all these little things, it's kind of suggested. Well, yeah, he's you know he he's a mortician. They keep weird hours. He can kind of keep his face, you know, from the public eye. He's he's a Nazi war criminal hiding a, hiding out. He's a Nazi mortician in in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> yes, in Louisville. Uh, so that's a great. That whole thing is great. Uh, here's a funny tidbit for you, uh, Nick. So James Karen, who was Frank, did not want to become a zombie in this film. He 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 kind of like let go in part two because he, he he wasn't really close with uh, 
I don't think he was as close with uh, Ken Reederhorn as much, and Ken just wasn't interested in hearing other ideas the way Dan O'Bannon yeah. was. Because Dan and Dan Dan and James Karen had a pretty good relationship. Because Dan, funny thing was James Karen was cast for this movie. I think before anybody because uh, he liked to- him and Toby Hoopy were friends. They worked together on Poltergeist. Uh, you move the headstones, left the bodies. That guy, that's James Karen from Poltergeist. So. Uh, Toby was like, dude, I got to work with you again. So Don, uh, Dan O'Bannon, when he got onto the project, apparently James Cameron says he talked to to uh, Dan O'Bannon was like, Hey, I know that Toby already cast me. If you don't want to use me, I understand, but I am excited about the project. And Dan being the man, he was smart guy was like, no, you're great. You got to stay in this movie. So in the movie, the original script that Dan penned turned James Cameron into a zombie, but James didn't want to do that. So James, Karen was like, I want to burn myself in that furnace. I don't want to be a, and so he tells Dan says, well, how, how, how do you know how to operate that thing? How would you know how to operate it in the movie? And James Karen says, very easy. I want you to get a shot of me when they're burning the body parts of the cadaver, get a shot of me. And I'm sure you remember this in the movie, get a shot of me saying some favor. I could operate that goddamn thing. Yep. So that was James Karen's idea. And that's why, and it's really a brutal scene. Um, there's a great song. It's like, and burn, burn in the Rocky, flames. Rocky Erickson's yeah. burn the flames. Yeah. yeah it's and an I, amazing song. Beautiful. I actually, I'll show it really quick. Um, I listened to this on the regular. This is the original soundtrack on vinyl for return of the living dead. And, uh, Amazing Jet Blackberries, The Damn Tall Boys, SSQ. Yeah. Amazing. This is probably one of the best soundtracks in a, mo- a horror movie fucking ever, man. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's probably the album or whatever that I spun most often my senior year of high school. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, like, man. <clears throat> but do you know do you know the reason why James Karen didn't want to become a zombie? Uh remind me. Actually, because he's like, well, I'm you know, I'm a little older. I don't want to be sitting out there in the rain and all that junk. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's really it's as simple as that. Like, well, let me. I think I could pitch this to him. Let me let me bring this to him. Well, you know, and hearing that Get story out. now, it's like it kind of makes more sense because I was thinking when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh yeah, he does just kind of run out of the chapel. Like, yeah. there's everybody around. He could try to attack just like, you know, Freddie was and eat brains. But he just sneaks out like, fuck this. And I'm just kind of like, that's weird. Goes back um, up to the furnace. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. But that whole scene is kind of beautiful, though, because, like, he gets down and he prays. He takes his wedding band off. Yeah. It's know. brutal, man. But it's yeah. it's done so well. I mean, uh, I, I forget how moving the scene is. Uh, but, it, again, it's still in line with this just beautifully symmetrically layered movie that you know it takes you on waves of emotions but it's it's never jarring it's it's never it's never too much it doesn't it's not like halloween kills for instance where it's like Mm. fucking guy just kills himself because he's a mental patient that's wrongfully thought of as michael myers and then a few minutes ago you got a you got a Big John dancing to a Halloween yeah. song in his drawers. Uh, you could say, so this movie, and I'm, I hate to bring up Halloween kills because we're not doing Halloween. It's November. We're not oh, doing, you know, but, but my point is this movie is just so damn good. And I'm so proud to have this. I'm sure sauce is as well. I'm so proud to have this as my favorite movie because I will put this movie up against anything. I really will. And I'm not saying it's the best movie ever, but pound for pound. I mean, Nick, I'm sure you could agree. 
is there anything to complain about with Return of the Living Dead, for God's sakes? Um, uh, no, nothing really comes to mind except we've kind of already addressed it, which is Tina feeling like she didn't really belong. But like, aside from that, not really. No, I didn't. There's, I have gone back and watched older movies that I haven't seen in a while and been like, Jesus, why did I like that when I was young? Right. I did not have that at all. I'm sitting there like, this is damn oh, good. Yeah. yeah like yeah. this, you're just, you're just entertained the whole time. And honestly, the thing with this movie you're thinking about is how in the fuck would you survive this? You, you I mean, yeah. there's, no, this isn't the walking dead. All me shoot you once you're dead. Cool. Like that's, that's an easy zombie apocalypse right. in my opinion to survive. This is not. This and is that's kind of it's kind of my favorite part of the movie is that you spend all this time. Well, what I do here, what would I do there, and then by the end, you're like, oh, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's honestly kind of haunting. There, like, you know, there, the someone fucking... else is going to make that choice for you. Yeah, it's it, <laughs> yeah. it's it's a really creepy kind of way to not the very end, but leading up to the very end of the movie where they're in the attic. And, you know, he's just like taunting her, Tina, about how he's going to get up there. And he's like, oh, you know, look what you made me do. You made me break off my hand or whatever. And it's just kind of like you feel like no matter where you go, because throughout the movie, how many times does Ernie or somebody say, well, let's go in this room. Let's board this up. Okay, now we're good. Now we're good. Now we're good. Oh, if we go up there, no one can get in. We're good. And like throughout the movie, every fail safe that you thought you had it fails and you're not safe. And it's just yes. kind of like, well, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, go ahead, Sauce. I just want to throw this out here before it gets, you know, too old. It's already a stale comment, but this movie kind of has, you know, it's like the, the warehouse tagline. You need it. We got it. You want laughs? You get laughs. You want horror? You, you got horror. Blood, zombies, breasts, butts, you know, uh, sentimental moments. Like it's got everything. Really oh, damn does. right. It's <clears throat> damn right. So there's a few more moments that someone want to talk about that I just silly moments, small moments that make me laugh. Uh, and it's 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 like almost this little scene. It, it like lets you step back for a second, get out of this darker portrait that Dan O'Bannon is setting up. You remember the part of the movie, Nick, where we we all of a sudden we see this beautiful house, this gorgeous house out in this nice neighborhood. And all of a sudden we go inside of this house and you've got this military agent. He's a, you can tell he's a high ranking guy and the wife and she sits, she gets in there and um, all of a sudden you hear, you see the guy go upstairs, open up these two doors and all of a sudden all these lights and stuff are going off and you're like, what is going on? And you hear him on the phone just saying, Hey, I'll be here all night, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, how long do we have to have that equipment in here? We have to find the tanks. And that, that, that lets All you know that, that microwave stuff yeah. affects my ovens. Yeah. <laughs> and so my favorite part. So this guy is clearly aggravated. His that you could tell his ass is on the line. We've got to find these barrels. And all of a sudden the, the wife says, uh, the, the husband's like, what, what's for, what's for dinner? Right. Oh, your favorite lamb chops. <laughs> had that for had lunch. For lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you look at the wife's face, the quick, <laughs> it's a yep. funny ass moment. I yep. love that moment. It's it's a it's like taking a break real quick from the insanity that's going on, letting you get a light moment for a second. But damn it, if whenever we get to those scenes, I'm always just so excited because mm-hmm. he is pissed. <laughs> just Christ Ethel, I don't know. Yeah. And then he feels bad, so he lightens up. Look, we've been through this before now. 
<laughs> just that actor was brilliant. Hey, he 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 killed it in that in that role as the colonel or as the general. I love those moments so much. Uh, there's another moment I want to bring up too in this movie that I love. Um, I mean, we'll kind of gloss over this because we talked about the scene previously before that. Obviously, when the paramedics show up, which are named uh, Tom and Jerry. Uh, yeah. I don't know that you hear their names so much in. Yeah, I'm sure you do in the movie, but certainly in the credits, and you learn about it in the documentary. Tom and Jerry, the paramedics, show up. Frank and and uh, Frank and and uh, I'm sorry, Tom Matthews, Freddie, right? Freddie, yeah. They're turning blue. They're starting to look dead as hell. Everybody's freaking out. You know, the zombies start invading. One thing that's great about this film is like, dude, these zombies, and I can't without certainty say this was the first movie to do it but certainly the first one i ever watched dude these zombies got some pep in their step yeah these I'm, zombies I, I'm, I'm pretty confident to say this is the first yeah and, and that's what makes this film so great and puts serious levity to it like you were talking about nick the fail safe add this onto the list these zombies are gonna track your ass down and they're gonna swing kick claw punch I mean, these zombies punched windows. How many other zombie movies do that? I mean, so talk about raising the stakes, you know. They're Fantastic. smart. I mean, yeah. they're very yeah. smart. I mean, uh, two of the things, when you talk about that, I think of the first first instance saying send more paramedics and then send more cops. It's like they're smart enough to because they were alive at one point. So it would be realistic that if they were reanimated by something else that caused them to essentially be living dead, they would still have some semblance of memory of being a living, you know, a person. So it would make sense for them to just the whole movie. So it's just kind of like, and I like the whole scene where they're talking to like the half corpse and they're like, you know, what, what is it about brains? And it's just like, well, brains, you know, it's the only thing that will take the pain away. And it's like brains like, okay, but yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously the setup at that point is great. We're going to talk about, we can't not talk about the, in my opinion, it's really not even close. I think maybe bub is in the ballpark, but without question, tar man is the greatest horror movie zombie I think ever created. I mean, how many T-shirts, how many everything Tarman has spawned. The line, more brains. Nick, I mean, oh, think about terrifying. it. And, and Sauce, you think about it. After that, how many anything zombie-related, whether it be on TV shows or whatever, say brains? Oh, that became what they were known for. Yep. You know, like that, that re... Like that pulled them into the pop culture, I guess, and that became. Yeah. And it's hard to think of. It's really hard to think. I mean, you made a good point of like many zombies that stood out um, as not just being another zombie. I mean, you have Tar Man, you have Bub, you have um, the cemetery zombie from Night. Yeah. And honestly, I can't think of one past that. That's oh, what I'm uh, saying. The, the asshole from the the, the the gas station guy from Land is the only, and he's not oh, yeah. he, he's yeah. not in the same uh, stratosphere as the other three though. Yeah, and it's like after that, you're just kind of like the rest of them are just take them or leave them. They're just zombies. Like, yeah. but he's got character. I mean, the the look, the look is just 
it's fucking it that shit's burned into your brain like he is like excited for brains oh live brains brains and it's like and he's just so smart she gets in the fucking locker and he's like well let me pull this bitch off yeah oh man like and then you just get a great just you get a great kill when they all come downstairs and he just chomps man suicide yeah that bite it's like a nice oh, bite yeah. of an apple. Yeah. <laughs> also reminds me of uh, uh, when they're breaking into the house and um, he gets the dude on the head and you just have the blood gag where it's just shooting out as, or it's the uh, the half corpse that's biting into his head. Just shooting out like fucking, oh man, that was so gnarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then the paramedic when they find his body and he's just like, <laughs> get this close-up shot of these brains with like a concave skull and you're mm-hmm. just like oh yeah that's that's gnarly yeah uh, we gotta we gotta give a little shot of praise to uh alan trotman the, the gentleman who portrayed the character uh because he gave if it, the costume itself if you really get to look at it there are great parts of it design wise but without the performance it would have been so silly but trotman was able to give it the thing about tar man is he looks like he's hanging on by a thread. He's literally melting away. Yeah. So that weird sway where if somebody even poked him, he would crumble. So brilliant. I mean, there's something about his movements that remind me of a, it's not a bad thing. Remind me of a, a Mario character. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a little bit of those, those like caterpillars with the hats. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah I know what you're talking about. Those little, like the yellow ball caterpillars or the, the cacti i guess would be the same thing but that's yeah i do for whatever reason get a lot of that same feel to his motion I, you know i'm certainly yeah. not scared of that caterpillar and certainly a great moment after Tarman has killed suicide uh and ran everybody off well they try to return back later and there's a moment where they stop clue at the door and like no that there's a zombie in there that they that's that's a deadly one so clue grabs the baseball bat and there's a great scene where they open up the door tarman arrives and clue just knocks a home run and just creams tarman's head right off <laughs> that noise that Rah! <laughs> and i th- i believe sauce you probably remember as much as i do i think Mark Venturini was uh, talking to Miguel Nunez like, man, this bullshit. Why do I have to die in this movie, man? Why can't we just kill? Why can't we just kill Tar, man? Why can't we just kill him, man? I mean, he's just a zombie. And Miguel's like, hey, it's in script, dog. (laughs) It was sad to see suicide die in this movie. But at the same time, I think it really gave levity to Tar, man, as a monster to take out the biggest of the bunch, you know. So let's pick it back up here again. If you were able to, if you were at the privilege of seeing the uh, Patreon exclusive live, you've seen what happens when we would try to record podcasts. That's uh, this is right. This is probably why Sauce does a show by himself because it's like you only got one person to worry about. You don't have to worry about all Nick's shit breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I think that's the first time the laptops crashed when we've recorded this. Okay, every other time it's my my wife or my mom or my brother or whoever the fuck stand at my house. Hey, I, that's not true. That's <laughs> not true. Actually, do you remember the Nightmare on Elm Street with sauce? As a matter of fact, halfway yeah. through the podcast, you had to use your audio from your camera. Oh, you're right. That's right. <laughs> Maybe sauce is bad luck for you. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, <laughs> fucking bad luck to myself. So, <laughs> all right. So here, here's a few more moments I want to talk about in the film. 
Uh, here's another kind of a behind the, the behind the scenes type uh, scenario. So there's a certain part of the movie where you see Miguel Nunez's character and Don Calva kind of come face to face in the embalming room again. And there's a moment where uh, Miguel's character starts losing it. And you see Don Calva just wham, slap him right in the face twice, twice, twice. in the script. It called for one time and uh, go ahead and tell him the story of what happened. So it's behind the scenes. Cause this is a great behind the scenes so, moment. So basically it just got to, I don't know if it's because they had done the scene so many times, but they just things were there was tension, you know, and it called for it in the scene anyway. So it's not like it was a bad thing, but and I feel like it's a similar thing to like Betsy Palmer and Friday the Thirteenth as well, just to kind of tie it together to something that a story people might have heard. Um, Clue's probably done some stage acting too, but also you know, forties and fifties cowboy shit. Shout out Adam Page. Um, you know, fucking... In movies, you don't have to hit people, but on the stage, you have to. like Because the audience needs to hear that sound. And I feel like maybe the, the Foley um, repertoire wasn't as good in the 40s and 50s. So that, I, I feel like there was some smacking going on back in those days, too. But he just kind of got in the heat of the moment. He just cracked Miguel twice. Just one, two. And... He didn't break his nose, but he gave him a bloody nose. He said, "What the what the fuck, dude?" <laughs> but he he wanted to fight him. Yeah, and here's something to add to that too. Uh, I wa- I didn't watch the movie today, but this morning I watched the More Brains documentary again. Mm-hmm. And Clue Gallagher talked about he went up to Don Calfa after numerous takes, and they weren't getting it right. He went up to Don Calfa and and told Don, "Hey, when you go up and do the scene, slap him twice." Don't tell him, but slap him twice. <laughs> so that's why you go to, you get the one, boom, boom, and he hits him hard that second time. That's a great moment. I love, that's why, Don, that's why I love Don and the Calfa in yeah. this movie so much. He has some, his, his, another thing, do you remember when the, the they pull the zombie hand out of the bag in the beginning of the movie and it grabs his foot? Yeah. There's a moment where he doesn't even yell for a second. He looks up at everybody with them big ass eyes yeah. and then finally, <laughs> Get it off! Don't just stand there. Get it off! Oh man! And then, uh, and then after after everything, they've cooled everything down. Don goes and sits down, and and he and Clue Gallagher's character says, "Are you going to help us?" He looks at Clue for a second, looks back down, takes a good 30, 40 seconds to get a pair of scissors, cut his pants. Yeah. And then answers them. He just, you know, that's why I love Don in this movie so much. He don't even answer him right away. He just says he sits there and he's like, "I'm gonna do my shit first, then I'll yeah. fucking answer you." I, I love Don Kelfa. And there's another movie he is so funny and it's called Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, where yeah. he's trying to track down the kids. Yeah. That oh man, Don Kelfa is so funny in that movie, and it's even weirder seeing him that movie because he has hair in that movie. So I didn't realize how much they kind of thinned him out for this movie and stuff. But and he didn't have it in Weekend Bernie's, but they he, he auditioned for the movie. He had this big, thick mustache. Yeah, and, yeah. And Dan goes, ah, the mustache. He's like, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Oh man, Don is so good in this movie. And but... I do feel like an asshole because I was talking about Clu Gulliger, but yeah, it was Don Kelfa that smacked him, and and I think he is a New York actor, if I'm not mistaken. So it would make more sense that he did do stage shows. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, sorry. 
Yeah. No, you're good. I feel stupid. But so many great moments. I'm trying to think about some other ones that stand out. Uh, there was a moment where, Nick, do you remember the part where uh, one of the actors, I can't remember who it was, runs out to the paramedic, the, the ambulance vehicle, and when they shut the door, there is a legitimate, there is a legitimate uh, dwarf person. Yes. With no legs. Yeah. It's like hopping toward the motherfucker. Yeah, dude. And do you notice that he starts running and he busts his ass, but the camera cuts it right before he totally eats shit in the scene. Like he starts running and he, you see him going down, but they cut just fast enough to where you don't see it. But that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate, you know, dwarf person. They got to that's do that. One of the scariest scenes in the movie. It, and that, that's what I was going to say. It's terrifying. It, it, yeah. it reminds me of freaks. Uh, 1932 freaks yeah yeah in that movie i watched it once i will never watch it again that still terrifies me that's one of my wife's favorites she loves freaks god but moments like that make this movie so great um another part of the movie when the do you want a party song do you want a party that's another classic song from the movie probably 45 grave Great, great i've listened i've got some of their records now that this this movie has blessed me with falling in love with so many bands without return of the living dead i wouldn't be a cramps fan i wouldn't oh. be a jet black berries fan i wouldn't be a 45 grave fan i wouldn't be an ssq i love the yes, album so that well. came out yeah jesus man so every song the soundtrack i urge everybody they've re-released it on vinyl or I, I urge everybody to pick up the soundtrack to this movie because there's something for everybody on that soundtrack too i mean so many good songs. It's it's unbelievable. Um, just just a brilliant film. Uh, I, I guess we can start wrapping it up. We've talked about a lot of well, my, my favorite moments. Really Go quick, ahead, Nick. I was just going to say to Christian and, and Sauce, I'm sure you guys remember. This is probably one of your favorite parts of the movie mm-hmm. when, you know, um, right before they just blow that town to shit, um, you know, little does the military know everyone has banded together and they all start chanting evil dies tonight in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of the whole movie, man. Which what? cut of the film do you have? Well, that's actually, that's why they went ahead with the, uh, the, code with the bombing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Not Wouldn't again. that be, so I need to edit Halloween kills and return of the living dead and have, uh, <laughs> and have the chanting going on. And then all of a sudden you go to that guy and that little bunker deep in the middle of nowhere. He's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you, you remember that? The code he was saying. Was Archimedes hot dog, something or other. Yeah. I, I don't remember the whole thing. Rhubarb. Yeah. Rhubarb. Says rhubarb. Yep. <laughs> Yep. which is all code words stuff right I, yeah. and that guy's performance right there brilliant that such oh, a small he moment sold, he film. sold the shit out of that yeah, yeah. he was he so good it. he pulled out his little remember he got the little booklet he pulled that little booklet yeah. the pages yes sir yes sir right away sir rhubarb it, the, 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 <laughs> the thing is about being someone like that you would have to be that way you're you're literally a trigger man like you you don't you don't think about anything you just go all right, hell yeah. Where am I firing this shit at? Like, yeah, he, he sold the shit out of yeah. that. Yeah, and dude, that missile goes off, and I love how it ends with uh, the colonel, you know, and be like, yes, sir, only probably a few hundred deaths were yeah, he, before, pretty he good. Said, he said about 4,000 dead, you know. 4,000 dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like don't, pretty good. It, don't worry about the fires. You know, the rain will put that out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which would entail that it's actually going to start everything all over again. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and that's 
uh, among others, and we're, we're talking about the first film, but that was a big misstep. Not, maybe not like Halloween, Halloween 2, maybe not picking up right where it left off, but, you know, and, and to, to not play off that in any regard is ridiculous. Um, yeah, I haven't maybe- seen any of the sequels. At least to my knowledge, if I have, it's been a really long time. I'd say watch both. I'd say watch both of them. Oh yeah, I like. I thought you saw two, Nick. This is part two. I've got. I, I just brought these to show. Yeah. And that's the thing that I, that's the one that I think I may have seen is part two because of the fright night looking poster. Yeah, part yeah, part two has got it's James Karen and Freddie again, and they're they're it's like a it's like a meta universe to the first film. It kind of starts all over again. They're working at. Uh, they 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 go and basically rob the jewelry yeah, off of grave zombies, robbers. grave robbers, and it's much it's a much lighter tone. This is the part two, which I love because it's a great movie in its own right. That actually does some cool stuff with kid actors. It's it's not as good as the first one, but I think it's it's a little misunderstood. Um, and then the legendary, which I think more people that I know like this one more than two, Return of the Living Dead three, which is fucking amazing. I mean, it really is great. I mean, it's yeah. it's a Romeo and Juliet take with two, four, five trioxin. This is a great movie. You have to see yeah, this. I one. know I haven't seen that one. So I'd no. say, as far as three goes, I think I would like that better than two if anybody else had done the effects. Um, they're 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 very modest. They're, they're it looks like something that <clears throat> you guys would pull together. You know, like um, for re- Uncle like Jerry, a, like, a, like a region free opening. No, dude, it's Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Jerry. Uncle Jerry, yeah, uh, maybe. I, one thing I will say about two, I mean, say what you want, especially the people that aren't fans of it. Another great soundtrack, Joe Lamont's "Flesh to Flesh" is one of the most kick-ass <laughs> songs tonight. Oh man, so good! You've got Anthrax in there. Uh, so many great tracks. I've got the vinyl for part two as well. That movie gave me my love for uh, Julian Cope, who has become at least top five of my all-time favorite musicians ever. Um, part two is awesome. I love it, but there's only my there's only one Return of the Living Dead that Dan O'Bannon created and did everything right on a modest budget movie like that, giving the actors the ability to work with each other, to do rehearsals that, you know, that's insane that they did that two weeks of rehearsals just man. Cause you had a bunch of young actors and the ability to practice like that. I could imagine would be so helpful with doing a movie. I mean, especially for someone like Miguel, like that's extra time that he was homeless when they, when he, he was cast. So that's extra time on the set where, you know, it's craft, even if it's a modest craft services budget, that's food. Than, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if you didn't know that, Nick, but Miguel Nunez was in fact homeless when made. Yeah, when he, he was. The only reason I knew that though is because he was talking about it on Pizal's channel yeah. when he did his uh, incredible, incredible sit down with Piz. Um, hey, but by the way, we, you got five minutes left with me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> that, that that. Um, and, you mind, uh, um, I got to make a sandwich while we talk, too. By the way, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What, what but, if we start hearing a blender on from? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I, I did want to say though, um, it was a great idea. I, we had some ideas for this week, guys, that we were throwing around to do, and you know we were game for a few of them. And then Christian, in typical Christian fashion, a day before is like, guess what? I have this idea that I'm just really itching to do, and it was perfect because it's episode twenty. 
it's obviously on his channel. It's his favorite movie. It just, and I was really actually really happy to go back and revisit it. Cause I had a freaking blast with it. So I'm um, yeah. I, you know, dude, it's just, I, I get so sporadic on YouTube. I burn myself out on stuff and I try to be consistent. But the thing about me is, man, I have to just enjoy making the videos and doing what I want to do and, and do to be, to do this for 20 episodes probably doesn't seem like shit to anybody else but seriously for me to stick with doing something like this because it's i genuinely enjoy doing it is just shocking for for me 20 episodes is just i can't believe i've gone this far and i was like i've got to do return of living dead for the 20th episode I, I have to and we will have to down the line talk about the sequels once i catch them i know they're on hbo max at least part two is i've seen it on there um I think part three is on one of the streaming services too. It might be Hulu. Yeah. So it might be fucking Tubi as well. You we yeah, always check so. Tubi for that stuff. But do, yeah, part three, part two, I don't think is total by itself episode worthy. I mean, for me it is, but nobody no, watches. But part, but part, no, but part three is episode worthy because there's so much meat on the bone with that movie, with the performances and just brian usna and the making of that which i could get nerdy about but i would love to i would love to do return of living dead 3 and just deep dive that son of a bring bitch. sauce back on too oh absolutely uh, something that he's familiar with and passionate about yeah but sauce what does this movie mean to you everything i mean honestly like this came to me at a time where the first time I saw it, I wasn't. But by the time that I was able to re- go back to rewatch it, because I enjoyed it, back when Netflix was, uh, you know, DVDs by mail only. Um, I remember I those it, days. And I just like I had just gotten into the Misfits, like maybe three, four months before I rewatched it, and just like the every fucking song I heard captivated me. It, it totally, it, it informed on my music taste in a lot of ways as an adult. Um, it's informed of my music tastes or geez, on my uh, movie tastes. Uh, I love this movie. Um, it's one of those movies that I love showing people, you know, because it's almost like I've never met someone that watched it and didn't like it. Maybe they didn't yeah. love it. Maybe they didn't love it. I can handle that, but I've never met someone that's watched it and said, yeah, I hate that movie. The gore and Linnea Quigley enough. You don't even need yeah. anything else. You can't walk away and say it was a waste of time. You just can't. No, no. no. and it's just so it's one of those things where it's like that ace up my sleeve kind of thing that you know. Even if well, I don't like Freddy Krueger, I don't like uh, you know, I don't like horror movies. Well, watch this. This is different. It, and so it's cool in that respect. But it's like no matter how down, how depressed I am, this movie will still get me to smile. Mm. You know. Yeah, I, that- I, I could probably watch my family get just like fucking mowed down by machine guns. (laughs) Put this on and go, well, I mean. It's not all that bad. It could be worse. They did did live a while. Yeah. (laughs) They had a couple years. It's cool to hear that from people, though. You know, you and Christian feel the same way about this movie. I mean, my, my, I really love it, too, but it's nowhere near the love you guys have, obviously. But it just reminds me of, obviously, you know, 78 Halloween. That's the movie yeah. for me. That's my favorite movie of all time, period. So like I totally can relate to those emotions you're talking about. Cause it's like that movie transports you to it just I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a ride of nostalgia. It's comfort. It's I don't know. It almost feels like when you're watching it like nothing else exists. 
Like I didn't even notice on Halloween night, basically when my wife got up to go to bed halfway through Halloween and I was like, I had to like stop and go, wait, where are you going? She's like, I wish we could have watched something that wasn't boring. I was like, good night. Um, but yeah, I just put the pillow over her face. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I said something. I think I said something to Christian. Like I'm getting, I'm going to have to get a divorce. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it's cool. It's cool to talk about the movies that mean that much to you because we can love hundreds of horror movies, but right. we all have one that is like, don't touch it. Don't remake don't disrespect it. it don't either. disrespect no. it. Yeah. Don't fuck with it. Oh, you mentioned something. Return of Living Dead is beyond remake proof. No. One, I mean, like Nick said, you couldn't do this movie in a lot of ways. Not just the Linnea Quigley stuff, but like, there's a lot of shit you couldn't do now. Um, to the point, like, what's wrong with this? There's, there's as much as, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Halloween 78 either, but that's, that's such a big title that that was inevitable but like this one's the title's not that big you know it's a big movie it's known by any horror fan that's you know that's got a fucking clue knows this movie but it's not like what it's not like halloween or friday the 13th where the name is going to get people through the door so in that regard it, it doesn't hold any cachet and the movie's fucking perfect it shits on so many yeah. zombie movies. It yeah. shits on so much zombie content. I mean, some of it's just we we talked about it earlier. It's like ninety percent of what you get with zombie movies, TV shows. It's the same, it's the same bullshit thing. regurgitated mm-hmm. over and over. And this movie, you're watching it, and you're like, it, it, the, from first glance, a uh, uh, half fucking dog, and then this yellow yeah. ass cadaver <laughs> chase, like what the fuck? Like you have no idea what you're in for when you watch this movie. It's like. It's awesome. It's 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 fun. You know, it's funny though when I when I when I think of Return of the Living Dead, I don't just initially say say to myself zombie movie. Like it's not even really what comes to my mind when I yeah. think because there's so many good things about it. It's punk rock. It's funny. It's it's action. It's yeah. there's so much to it that like it's it's just Return of the Living Dead to me. You I don't even need I don't, it. We got it exactly. I don't even I don't <laughs> even think zombie. Like and even especially when people tell me I'm not a big zombie movie fan, I said perfect. You need to watch Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I'm not. I'm not a big zombie movie fan. So I, I, I'm really not either, and I'm also not a fast zombie fan. Like that's, I hate that that aspect of Dawn of the Dead 04. I like the movie yeah. well enough; it's still fine. Like I, I can deal with it, but these guys ran at the pace of humans. They weren't like supercharged. You know, track stars. You're right. track stars. No, and it was just it was kind of like they got into the building just with relentless hunger. They needed to get those brains in there. We we smell them, they're alive, we need them. You know, we got it. Fuck it. (laughs) You know, sheer force of will. Yeah. You know, and that to me is different. That's terrifying. Right. They're not gonna stop till they get you. Yeah. Yep. This has been really fun. I want to end this. I always try to end the episode with a fun kind of question to wrap up the show with everybody. Um, I I want to end. Left my wife for Linnea Quigley in 1985. (laughs) If that's what you're going to ask her, that was not what I was going to ask. But I'm glad you volunteered the information. I'm just kidding. Um, So let's end it with this: four movies 
for Mount Rushmore for your zombie films. I want Sauce to go first. Sauce, you got four movies for the Mount Rushmore of zombie films. Which four movies are up there for you? And it's safe to say that you're number one on the save your number one. You could rank them from four to one. I'm assuming number one is going to be ROTLD for you, but give me your Mount Rushmore of zombie films. It's tough. I, 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 the next two are easy. You know, you know, I guess it is still pretty. Number four, Day of the Dead. Okay. I hated I hated that movie coming up. I, it was, I think a lot of people did. Such a different tone from Dawn. Um, you know, there's not the slapstick element to uh, days. It's just dreary. I, I didn't pick up on it. It, just, it was boring. But I've come to appreciate it a lot. So that'll be four. Nights three. I mean, it's classic. T- to not put that on there, I think, um, is a pretty serious misstep. At least in my eyes. I mean, you know, if it's not in yours, you could you freely can fuck explain off. why. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you, know. you can f- freely explain why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, it's the OG. Without that, there are none of these other movies because this this creature didn't exist before that. Zombies it, were were like voodoo guys yeah, with voodoo spells. It was a different element, very different yeah. element. Um, number two would be Dawn of the Dead from '78. I okay. love that movie just as much as really any other horror movie. Um, okay, number one, of course, Return of the Living Dead. There's, there was, yeah, you were. You, nail on the head nothing there's not a better zombie movie than this movie all right nick do you want to go next you want to save you for last yeah i'll go next um i'm not doing this in any particular order i'd have to rewatch some of these that's fine um but it's day night return and i'm struggling here but i'm gonna go with dawn 04 simply just because of the nostalgia with that that was like the first zombie movie i saw i had it on dvd when i was a kid and i just i I beat the shit out of that dvd i watched it so (laughs) much um but i will say as unpopular of his of an opinion as this is i really struggled with i really like world war z i really do i don't know what it is about that damn movie it's not it's not going up on a mount rushmore no 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 that's i'm just giving an honorable mention yeah um i do (laughs) did you just sigh in the background (laughs) i really like look look, i'm giving i'm busting your chops nick i i know good talk Uh, about world war z for a second that's that no i i don't really need to i mean i just it's just uh, again very different for good or bad it's it's very different than your prototypical zombie movie. And, you know, I saw it when I was a teenager when it came out. And I was just kind of like, this is cool. This isn't The Walking Dead that I'm seeing on TV every week. That's literally the same shit Ugh. every week. Yeah, it was like, you. we can say that World War Z handled zombies a little differently in ways that maybe it shouldn't have. But I just liked some of the ingenuity. And obviously, that's not really the movie. That was a novel. So you give credit to the novel, not the movie. Yeah. But regardless, it was just cool to see something different. Um, again, though, I'm not saying that it belongs on a Mount Rushmore. I'm just saying that it's one that I do have a soft spot for that I just wanted to give a shout out to because I know there aren't a lot of vocal fans about that movie. Um, I think there are a lot of people that can tolerate the movie but are afraid to say it because they uh-huh. think it's kind of blasphemous. Right. So, so for about half a second, Nick, I was going to start laughing at you because I, I had conflated World War Z with Army of the Dead. 
I have not seen that yet. Oh, boy. I wasn't a big fan of it. I've seen Army of the Dead 10 <clears throat> times before with that movie. It didn't do anything different. I mean, it didn't. No, it didn't do any. Well, it did some things different that are very stupid. But well, maybe it didn't do anything that right. Anyway. That's, no, yeah. no, yeah. no, 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 um, no, 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 no. It was kind of like Halloween Kills, Turn. like in, in, in terms of just like insane, weird tones throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think Zack Snyder got it all. He left it all out on the field with his 04 Dawn remake. Yes, he did. And I want to say really quick to that. I think at least, at least with that comparison, I haven't seen Army of the Dead, so I can't speak to that. But Halloween Kills kind of knew what it was for most of the movie. It knew that it was kind of throwing everything at the wall to see what stuck for better or worse. Whereas I feel like a filmmaker like Zack Snyder Maybe he thought he really was like painting a Mona Lisa, and it was like a stick figure. I don't. I don't know. I think. I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I do think it's fairly self-aware. Zach, it's no offense, but Zack Snyder can shit probably anything better than David Gordon Green, in my opinion. I mean, Zack I Snyder Pineapple, is Pineapple Express is a goddamn masterpiece. I, I love Pineapple Express, but Zack Snyder is he is yes, proven. I, you know no, what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. I just, but that's what I'm saying though. You mentioned like Dawn of the Dead 04, like not maybe you, you, you know, you have a movie like that, that is just like, well, that's so the other thing. Good. There's, there's something to be compared to it as well already because he, yeah. he's doing the same movie again, just trying to make it way bigger. Um, and it's just played out. It's so played out by this point, man. I mean, you've got a damn TV show that's been going for like 15 seasons called The Walking Dead. I mean, it's so played out. And that show's not even about zombies. The zombies are supporting characters. The Walking Dead is about drama. Like, And that's not necessarily the wrong thing to do, but I mean... I'm just talking about of sheer burnout. No, I know. Yeah, you know no, what I mean. I it's just that is, it is a very boring show, though. Yeah, I stopped. Watching I watched the pilot, season. and then I yeah, stopped. Uh, Christian, I watched I've the pilot. Never, I've, I've never finished the pilot. I have tried a good five, six times over the last well, over the the course of the first five or six years that it, it was out, and I fell asleep each and every time. It's oh, yeah. so bad. Go. So, it's what's bad. your rush more than Christian? My Rushmore is so uh, so well-defined. Number four is Day of the Dead. And I do think it's such a damn good movie. And George Romero took a risk. And that's why he's the legend that he is, because he didn't try to just repeat himself. R.I.P. Amazing soundtrack. Day of the Dead soundtrack is so good. Number three is... Night of the Living Dead because I, and it's not it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a legacy entry. It's still a damn good movie. Mm. I love the original Night of the Living I Dead agree. so much. It's a damn good movie. Number two, and I'm putting this out there right now. This film, I take I will take it over Dawn of the Dead every day of the week, twice on Sunday. It's one of my all time favorites. I've been, I've been get, trying to get Nick to see this movie and we're going to do an episode on, on it. Wow. Motherfucking Lucio Fulci zombie. One of the fucking <laughs> grossest, nastiest and best zombie movies ever made is my number two. And number one's return to living dead. <sighs> that's, a, Without, that's another sigh of relief because I, I, for whatever reason, I knew Shaun of the dead no, <laughs> I, I was I was going to leave. Absolutely not. No, Lucio Fulci's Zombie is probably one of the greatest zombie films ever made. 
it crossed the ether into the American horror. It's disgusting. Needle in the eyes, a zombie fighting a goddamn tiger shark and legitimately fighting. a shark. I don't want to spoil it because I've yeah. been telling Nick, this is the movie. If you're going to get into Italian horror, this is the one. And I want to do a show on it. And because it's there's so much meat on the bone with this movie. It's amazing. I'll do it. Just where can I stream it? Uh, Shutter. OK, Shutter. Okay. Shutter. And if yeah. not, I'll send you a fucking copy of it. I mean, this is a must own so- movie. Must oh, it, own movie. Yeah, I do, my thing is I don't blind buy a ton anymore. I used to, but now that I have a family, you know, it's like yeah. uh, without my, question. My wife, you don't have to, yeah. of course, you don't have to explain yeah. yourself. And I'll give you my Shutter account if I need to. If you don't have Shutter, but I have no, shutter. without without question, Lucio Fulci's Zombie is my number two. It's the second closest to the front with 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 the punk rock zombie from the poster of Eternal Living Dead. Yeah. That zombie's in the very front, but the main zombie on the poster of Lucio's movie is right behind him because it's close. That's probably one of my favorite movies of all time too is, is zombie, otherwise known as zombie two, otherwise known as zombie yeah. flesh eaters. I'll yeah. explain all that to you, Nick, yeah. uh, but great movie. So that's my Mount Rushmore. Um, this was fucking awesome. I love return of living dead. It's my all time favorite movie. It's it's sauce's all time favorite movie. I had to bring him on here. And I think Nick is going to become even more it's one of, of my fan. favorite zombie movies. And and yeah. like you said, it's not even really a zombie movie. I mean, it is, but you know, I and I fuck, I dig it too. Yeah, yeah. So what a what a great what a great walk down memory lane. I just want to watch the movie again now. I can't. I try to space it out because I don't want it to get used to the movie too much. You know what I mean? I try to make it special when I watch it, but I'm feeling. I'm Lights feeling it. Candles, gets the bottle of lotion. Mm. He's, you know, he's like, let's pop on return. Turn that dead. picture of mom and dad backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sydney, right. go in the bedroom for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, this was fun. Sauce, I want to thank you, Sauce. Tell everybody where they can find you. You guys can find What's me. your address? Uh, well, it's uh, one, two, three. Um <laughs> Off the Grub Podcast on YouTube. That's the name of the channel as well as the podcast. Mondays at 7.30 p.m. in the East. Um, other shit I got going on. Check me out there. Uh, Steak Sauce OTG on Twitter if you want to throw me a follow. Um, and real quick, I do want to shout out the band Daryl Chemical Company. Fronted by uh, one of my good friends, JV Bastard. As well as, rest in peace, Jason Trioxin. Um, check out the mm. band Mr. Monster for folks that have it. All right. <clears throat> Nick, where we where can in, in case the people at this point don't know because they just don't look at usually when I, I started adding the tag the, the the actual just 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 tell people. No, yeah. <laughs> just tell people. They're, they're here for Christian Hanover. But I have uh the YouTube channel The Lost River Driving. Uh Instagram is the same, the Lost River Driving. Um and Twitter is the Lost River DR1 because the Lost River Drive-In was taken by an actual Lost River Drive-In. Um, <laughs> so I can't really be mad. But um, And uh, as Christian said at the top, uh, I have Christian and I have talked about it. I am also going to um, put, put these on my Patreon. I did tonight for the second tier on my Patreon as well. We want to get as many of you guys in here watching the live recordings as possible because it's a cool perk and we both struggle to find perks. So <laughs> it's cool. It's perk. Yeah, it, it really is, man. But uh, so, yeah, that's where you can find me. Christian, Christian, where can we find you? I don't want anybody to find me. 
I don't want trash. I don't want people to know where I'm at. This was fun, Nick. I want to thank you as always for making me have to edit these podcasts. Yeah, no problem, man. Uh, (laughs) Sauce, Sauce, you're an angel. Thank you. Uh, You're you're welcome back Uh, anytime. You're too much. Okay, you're right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll leave now. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you guys for listening to the 20th. God damn, the 20th episode. I can't imagine getting to 50 or 100, but. I mean, we're going to. So. I'll be you know, so proud of myself if we do. Fifties getting the Halloween kills, guys. We're just, yeah, we're we're gonna dissect Halloween kills episode fifty. Oh we God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Bring your barf bags. Bring your gloves. Bring your goggles. Just kidding. Wait, you cup. Two. Get your hands. Exorcist too. Oh Jesus Christ! That, <laughs> will the episode be as boring as the movie itself? Yes. <laughs> yes it will. Let me just point the camera at a rock then for an hour and thirty and just. You know, anyway, this was fun. 20th episode. Thank you guys for taking the journey with this. If you're listening on Spotify, I appreciate it. If you're watching this on YouTube, I appreciate it. Uh, Be sure you got the bell dung. That way you can uh, always keep up with these episodes on Sundays, unless I just randomly feel like dropping it on a Thursday. Because sometimes Raw came on Thursday for a little while. I can drop the goddamn podcast on Thursday. Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Love you guys. Y'all have a great night. We'll see y'all. Bye. This has been a production of the You Need a Horror Podcast. You need it, we got it. Thank you for listening.